and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and once again this week I'm joined by Alex Moreland, but alas, no Stephen Ross this week. He's been off gallivanting, and to be honest, I think he was uh, keen to avoid the succession chat. <laughs> being that for some unknown reason, he never watched succession. Um, I think he's just just a bit of a rebel, well, Stephen, isn't he? It's just because it's on Sky. Yeah, that's probably it. That's probably it. We are, however, joined by friend of the pod, Katie Coniglin, and self-confessed Succession super fan. So if you haven't tuned in before, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching, as well as looking more closely at a new programme or something making the headlines in the deep dive. This week, Alex is going to tell us about new drama, The Gallows Pole, which sounds like a ton of fun already. And finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a programme you may have missed when it first aired or streamed. Katie is going to hang with us this week and talk to us about Brideshead Revisited. I love it. Um, Which, by the way, I am... Super, super, super excited to talk about. Okay, so first, we like to talk about what everyone's been watching and there was only one show in town this week, I'm afraid. So, spoiler alert, and as much as we hate to drive down listens, you're going to have to turn off if you haven't watched it and come back or go and listen to an old episode or something. Uh, Come back in like 10 minutes when we're finished talking about Succession. So, one word answer from both of you. Were you happy with the finale? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, me too. Okay, that's good. Just to be clear, because we have had situations with big, big series finales where people haven't been happy. Okay. Uh, now, Alex, talk to me. What do you think worked? What Was it in line with what you were expecting? Any sort of curveballs? Yeah. I suppose, yeah, it was not necessarily in line with what I was expecting because I thought, okay, in, insofar as that bit matters, I thought Kendall would win, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. But equally, the fact that Tom was the the winner again. Yes, yeah. Didn't massively surprise me, I guess, because there's been so much of that um, that thing going around about the baseball player recently. I don't know if you saw that. Mm, yeah, yeah. The um, there was apparently a famous baseball player who, in a sporting way that I totally understand, outplayed three players at once, <laughs> and you know, significant somehow. There's one of Tom. There's three of them, and they've the same name. Is it? Yeah, yeah. same different spelling. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. So maybe maybe relevant, but yeah. Um, so no, it was good, but I wouldn't say it's ever necessarily a like a show about big twists and things. It's always kind of yes. Once you've seen it, yeah. it feels inevitable, uh, and in this yeah. case, it did. Um, yeah, it's quite yeah, cyclical, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's been quite cyclical the whole way through, mm. hasn't it? Um, and sometimes, I'm sorry to poo-poo your fan theory thing, but sometimes <laughs> I think people take fan theories to a different level, like, and there's like no need for it, you know? It's like, okay, this might just be a coincidence that the same guy had the <laughs> name. Now, I know, I know we all want to cling to these things, but if Siobhan had come out on top, we would have found something to say about that yeah, as well. You know what I mean? Them. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. That is a good point. Yeah, she's obviously yeah a lethal weapon. I'm, I'm taking whatever. it. You didn't read my review where I spent the first 200 <sighs> words talking about the importance of the names in succession. <laughs> 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 like some like really I, tragic English grad student. I was like, oh, Shiv, Shiv, some Kindles, a Kindle. And I was like, oh, my God, I would so get an A if I was back in university. <laughs> For linguistic analysis. Very good, Casey. Very good. Tragic. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I just, I think we see that now with big TV series where people are like trying to figure everything out 
Um, you see, like yesterday, saw it with Glastonbury because there's some fake bend that's on the lineup, and everyone's like trying to figure out what this name means, you know. For and it's like, I oh, just leave it, just enjoy the <laughs> mystery, you know. But um, yes, so sorry, Alex, I interrupted you there. So generally speaking, you feel like yeah, there was no, there was no major surprise yeah. there, was there? But, but it, it was, was quite good. satisfying. Yeah. I liked that it was. Um, it felt sort of intentionally quite small, like all the big moments, kind of folding in on themselves like um especially the waiter thing like after three years of everyone kind of going oh you know someone will leak it to the press it'll be a huge story it'll be you know it'll end kendall it's not it's just about the moment where after all of that guilt and everything he just turns around and looks them in the eye and lies about it I yeah. thought that was good, but, that kind of... It was good that they brought that up yeah. because that was the most despicable thing, wasn't it? Throughout the whole thing, that mm. was the most, probably the most despicable thing um, that any of them did. And it's uh, like mentioning it is kind of, you know, key in his downfall, as it were, mm. you know, in some sort of way. Although it's... That, that whole scene was a little bit confusing, I think, in that so much was said in those couple of minutes and you're trying to figure out what is going on here. Like... Is Siobhan making a play or is it her actual conscience that's coming out? And is it Roman's conscience that's that's talking as well? So what did you think, Katie? What did you think of that scene particularly? Um, well, I think I had always, I, I think I'd never been interested in, in terms of the plot machinations. I mean, I think they're very well done and I'm very interested. But for me, it was always, always about sort of intergenerational trauma and the yeah. Yeah, incredibly nasty, abusive father had used this, yeah. this tool, this power that he had. Um, to because he didn't know how to functionally love, and so that's sort of what he did in the place, and then that in turn sort of corrupted them. So I was never yeah. like nobody was going to be a victor because there's no winning in those scenarios. It's always going to be mm-hmm. a, um, the only way to win is to get out, basically. And so mm-hmm. when it came to that final scene where they were having that big argument, um, mm-hmm. my take was um, for a start. I thought it was a really lovely grace note because in the um, in the episode uh, prior, uh, she mm-hmm. at the funeral had said we used to play outside his office and make lots of noise, and we couldn't understand what yeah. they're doing in there. And they've got this boiled room full of really serious people, and the kids are shouting outside the office again. It's, yeah, again, that reminded they're not serious people; they're never grown up. But I think in and that physical behavior that was so childlike, like not a proper fight, yeah. like someone sticking their fingers in someone's eyes and that kind of thing. Well, it's very, yeah, it's very childlike. It? G- gouging the eyes or mm. Shakespeare. Um, and I mm-hmm. think in, uh, to answer your question in terms of Shiv's motivations, I think the lovely thing about it is that you can read it a number of different ways and it still plays. I truly think that she sees her brother for what he is, which is mm. repugnant and terrible and bad at the job and also guilty of manslaughter and flaky and inconsistent. So I think she thinks that. I think there's probably still a part of her that is just so irritated that she lost out. And there's also a part of her that sort of probably in the back of her mind realizes that she's got proximity to power through Tom. Yeah. I think all three things mm. can be true simultaneously. Yeah. I think Roman yeah. is just fed up with it. I mean, the scene beforehand Kendall holds him in such a close embrace and deliberately ruptures his stitches, which is a very Logan Roy move, sort of physical aggression. And I think I think Roman, especially when Kendall pretends that he didn't kill the case waiter, um, I think mm-hmm. that Roman um, just realized just what a terrible person he his brother is and he is. Mm-hmm. So I think it to me it made sense in as much as it was it was fast, 
but it felt like it felt like force well an entire lifetime worth of sort of petty slights and aggression and and being told by their father that succeeding was this one thing all coming out Um, so that's why I found it really, really satisfying to watch. And I also have to say, uh, the other thing that I particularly love about the show is that it's so good at sibling dynamics. I, I have four older mm-hmm. brothers, um, and and you do, as soon as you're around them, I'm in my 30s, they're all in their 40s, we revert straight back to being little kids <laughs> again. So I love seeing you just become your little child self when you're around your family. And I think um, the only way of growing up is by getting away from that. So it was another thing that I thought the show really did so beautifully. Yeah, I think that there's a certain element of it as well. It's where they all kind of acknowledge, maybe except Kendall, they all acknowledge what that they're that they're kind of broken and they're kind of tainted from from this sort of their lineage, as it were. You know, I think they did that. What you were talking about there, that sort of um how they're all sort of products of the, the lack of love from Logan and sort of aspiring to meet his heighty sort of, you know, requirements or whatever. I think they did that very well in the funeral. After the funeral episode, I was like, oh, God, it's the first time you kind of see everybody admitting how broken they are because of this man and what he's done to them all um, or what his lack of love has done to them all or the way he's just played them all um, off against each other. A quick shout out to Lady Caroline as well, because uh, it's not oh, yeah. Yeah. I got it from the mother. I was so pleased to see her again. Um, and the line of the yes. episode talking about how eyes are face eggs. <laughs> she she doesn't yes. like to see blobs of jelly rolling around in the head. But you're just reminded about what a kind of terrible person she is too. Alex, talk to me about um, well, two things actually. First, uh, I think if we were to pick a winner. Who won succession? I think it's Roman. What do you think? Is that little smile over his martini at the very end? Yeah. Do you? He, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, he's the only one who sort of gets out and seem that seems to understand that he's got out. I guess um, it's probably like Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. Guess exactly. He's probably yeah. the actual winner. Casey, what do you think? May I say, I think the winners are Frank and Carl. Yeah. Um, they get the Jordan parachutes. They just they get to. They get to enjoy. They've got. They've got. Carl's in yeah. on an island in Greece with his brother. They're going off to be very rich, and they've got everything they always Maybe. wanted. <laughs> yeah, which fits with my theory from last week, um, Alex. For the first time ever, I was actually not that far away from the actual what happened in the end. So I'm like proud of myself. I called it sort of. <laughs> um, and the okay. So the other thing I want to actually ask you, Alex, is what do you think about? I know they've sort of said this is the end of it, blah blah blah. But like, it's totally set up there for a Tom and Greg spin off at some point, don't you think? Um, no, <laughs> no. Um, I think they were, they were separate from like, oh, you know, storytelling, whatever. I think there will mm. probably be sort of internal pressure, economic pressure, whatever, for more of it, some kind of spinoff, whether mm. Tom and Greg or like, you know, Hugo or whatever. But um, yeah. especially looking at, sort of looking at HBO and looking at what can you hear all of the birds yeah. mental <laughs> suddenly it's kind of, it's kind of nice yeah. it's kind of nice just very strong <laughs> summer magpies strong succession feelings out there um <laughs> what was I saying yeah especially looking like at HBO at the minute and the way it's sort of yeah doubling down on like four Game of Thrones spin-offs and it's all mm. very kind of like IP heavy whatever um mm-hmm. But no, I I don't think there'll be more of it. 
or, or yeah. there won't be more of it immediately. Maybe in 10, 15 years, it'll be Iverson and, and Iver Dorsal. Oh, but, that's what I was thinking, a yeah. long break. That's what I kind of think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. Katie, any thoughts on that? I think Jesse Armstrong is too smart and probably has too many ideas for that. Mm. And I also think mm -hmm. um, that I, I, uh, this is a personal bugbear. I think some people need to accept that stories end <laughs> and that it's a good thing for yeah, stories to yeah. tell a different mm. story. It's like, I don't think we need any more of it. So, um, yeah, I do think it was very satisfying, the whole thing, you know, and, and that you can't actually say that by about an awful lot of finales, especially, you know, proper, not even season finales, but like series, like total finale of the whole show. You can't say that too often. There's always something you're like, yeah, that bit didn't really, you know, or whatever. Whereas I was like, yeah, cool. Thanks. <laughs> At the end of that, you know, and that's about as much as we can hope for, isn't it? You know, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd be like, that was the best ending ever. It was, it <laughs> was. When does that happen? It was. <laughs> you yeah. agree. Okay, right. Well, I'm, maybe I'm just really bloody hard to please. So. <laughs> okay, brilliant. That is succession, folks. Sad face. We're going to not be talking about it. We'd probably end up talking about it again yeah. in some context, but we'll get, we'll get Stephen on it in 12 months' time yeah. when he's watched it all <laughs> for Back to the Future. Uh, okay, cool. So now, first up this week on our features is the Gallows Poll. This is for our deep dive this week. This is the new drama from Shane Meadows, one of my faves. Uh, he hasn't done anything for quite a while, I think. Alex, tell us. Tell us about the Gallows Poll. Uh, well, yeah, so that was... That was my, my opening line. Um, no, oh, sorry. no, sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I, it, it was not. Um, so it is, yeah, it's a new new Shane Meadows drama, uh, three parts, three episodes. And it is about the Cragvale coiners. Um, mm -hmm. And so they were a group of sort of forgers, I guess, uh, in the yeah. sort of late 1700s. They're all kind of losing work because of the Industrial Revolution, the loom, that kind of thing. So they start taking taking coins and like trimming the edges of them uh melting that down making new coins so they've got new money from from nothing um so it's against this backdrop of like social unrest class tension general kind of turmoil and i was sort of expecting it to be kind of like the gold from a few weeks ago but but almost like a 1700s yeah. version of it um, yeah, yeah it's not particularly not really it's a much less sort of straightforward historical drama in that sense. Um, okay. The opening scene is the sort of the main character. He's kind of being followed by these sort of, I guess, creatures made of bone, like um, <laughs> you know, big antlers and things, out, like out of yellow jackets. So there's a bit of it. Is there like a little kind of fantasy element? Yeah, to it, or it's, do you think it's that's sort kind of more, yeah. more expressive, I guess, kind of moodier. Okay. It's got the sort of funeral dirgy aesthetic so this is him mm. kind of like dying on the moors and then coming back to life to do this this forgery stuff um which is i, I always like that kind of different take on things the ones that aren't like just yeah. kind of straightforward history stuff is um, it a little yeah. folkloric sort of yeah, like yeah, a definitely um, that. like wicker yeah. man kind of vibe yeah, definitely that but yeah, it's good. It's um, it's very stylishly made. It's very, I sort of you know enjoyed the character dynamics, all of that. Um, yeah, no, well made. Enjoyed it. Um, not not a lot to add beyond that. 
yeah, it was good. Okay. We'll recommend. So who? Yeah, tell us who's in it. I think there's a couple of familiar faces. Yeah, so it's got um, well. a lot of the sort of this is England people. Um, yeah, Thomas Turgus and oh, what's his name? David David Sosha Sokal. Okay. Oh Feel yeah. Like I've got mm-hmm. that wrong for a change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's a lot of those people, and it's also got a lot of um, sort of first time actors, people who were from that area, that location. Um, Oh, that's yeah, good. it's it's set in Yorkshire, um, specifically in the mm-hmm. place that Happy Valley was set, that kind of Ebden mm-hmm. Bridge area. Um, okay, so like a neat, neat little it's, connection. It's it is based in it's based on a book, isn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah, th- there is some f- factual yeah, elements so it, to it. It's based on a real yeah, sort story. Of, yeah, in I think they kind of said partially based on the book, partially a prequel to the book. It's sort of yeah, okay. inspired by in response to the book which is itself based on a yeah. true story so those or and, most of those characters are like real people or were real people and do you think that we'll see is this the kind of thing that a story that Shane Meadows might return to or is it very much um, done with the three episodes so I've so far I've only seen the first one uh, of the three mm. but I've seen seen them sort of talking about yeah potentially doing more of it but um Oh. I don't know. I couldn't couldn't speak to the ending with much much specificity there. Okay, okay. So that's interesting. I, Shane Meadows, obviously, with This Is England was a film mm. initially, and then he went and made the TV series. Um, so I wonder is his is TV his thing now? Is he going to kind of sh- live in that domain over over film? Do you think or kind of done both for a while? I think his last thing was a. Mm. It was The Virtues with Stephen Graham, which was, what, like 2018, 2019? Yeah. I suspect so, um, very much he goes where the money is uh, yeah. in as much as... Do you think, yeah. yeah mm. where, where, where he can get the money rather than, yeah, to make yeah. projects he wants yeah. to make. But. Mm. Okay. All right, so that's starting on BBC, yeah. is it? Uh, BBC Alex 2, was, Wednesday, yeah. so yesterday uh, oh, at random. 9 o'clock. Cool. Nice one. I've kind of... Finished a few things recently, so that's good. I'm going to check that out. Um, awesome. Okay, let's move along. So to Katie, and this may be the oldest program we've ever had on Back to the Future. I'm presuming you're talking about the original yeah, the, Bright the Seven. The 1981 it, version. Sorry. 1981, the year of my birth. Everybody, there's a confession for oh, you. Um, that doesn't compute. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Katie. You're always, you're always so kind. Um, but there has been a Bright Seven revisited since hasn't yeah, there? There's been like a. They made a film a few years back, but we don't need to. Okay. We don't need to be doing this. <laughs> Talk that. about that. A bit okay. Of an abomination. So, um, I've I've never actually uh, watched it, so I'm dying to hear about it because apparently it is accessible to viewers at the moment. So, uh, and it stars another confession, my guilty pleasure, Jeremy Irons. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's always fabulous. I mean, I think his his personal opinions are questionable. He, there's some great yeah. videos going around if you want to look up what he has to say about sons and inheritance. Yeah, my first homosexuality. Oh God, really? Um, okay, I'm going to have to take that back. who I would necessarily <laughs> be best friends with, but I love watching him on screen. Yes, um, mm. I. this is the 1981 series, um, an 11-part miniseries um, made for ITV. At the time, it was the most expensive show that was made in the UK and it was something of a sensation uh, starring Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy Irons and Anthony um, um, Anthony Andrews and it also had Diana Mm -hmm. Quick, Simon Jones, John Gilgood, Laurence Olivier pops up 
Um, wow. And it's based on the novel by Evelyn Waugh, um, which I didn't read until after I first saw it. I've seen this series about six times. It's one of the things that I watch when I need some sort of real sucker and comfort because it really speaks to me. Um, and it's about a man called Charles Ryder. It's in the interregnum between the First World War and the Second World War. And he is a young man who goes off to Oxford and he meets this very um, effete gentleman called Sebastian Flight, played by Anthony Andrews, and they become mm -hmm. incredibly close friends. When I first saw it, I didn't realize um, that the gay subtext or the gay text as yeah. it was because I was just a mm -hmm. naif, but it's it's very, very yeah. um, obvious afterwards. But Sebastian Flight lives at this place called Brideshead Castle, which is um, with, a, with a very eccentric English Catholic family. And mm. the show is an epic, an epic sweeping drama about the course of their friendship over mm. 20 years um, and the course of Charles' relationship with the family as well. Um, it's unbelievably sumptuous, all shot on location. So the the um, the castle itself is a real castle. It looks amazing. I forgot the name of the place. You can go there, but there's also an episode sh um, shot aboard an ocean liner as well. And it's just, it's, it's un I mean, sumptuous is the word that keeps coming to mind. Um, it's slow paced, but I think that's one of the things that I find so comforting about it. You sort of sink into it like it's like a scented bubble bath. It's just, it's got its own sort of rhythms. And um, Jeremy Irons delivers, his narration is mostly taken from the novel itself. So there's such a rich turn of phrase for it. It's one of those things that I find myself quoting all of the time. There's a brilliant line, he and one day in... Charles Ryder and Sebastian Flight decide to teach themselves about wine. So they go down to Sebastian's wine mm -hmm. cellar and they work their way through all of these old bottles whilst reading a, a, a guide to it. And Charles looks up and he says, um, ought we to be drunk every night, Sebastian? And Sebastian says, yes, I rather think we ought, which um, comes to mind every time I drink. <laughs> but um, it's just... It's a bit wit Whitney and I-ish, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's just, um, it's about... Charles's relationship with the family, but it's also, it's supposed to be a, a celebration of Catholicism. When I first saw it as a person who recanted my Catholicism really early on, I thought it was a condemnation of Catholicism. Mm. So it's kind of interesting, interesting. to read it both ways. Um, mm -hmm. It's just... Is is that why it was caused such a splash at the time? What was it about the, it that caused such a splash? I know you've talked about the budget and it was probably looked beautiful, but what was this? It, what in the, or is it the gay subtext or what is it that made I think it there was most the notable? gay subtext, but there was also, it was the first instance on British television where a woman's naked breasts were shown. Oh, I knew it. I knew <laughs> it Diana Quick's breasts it. I knew showed it. up. Just had to get you to see um, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously the the British public wasn't ready for her jelly. Um, so <laughs> that, that caused shockwaves through the nation. Yeah. Um, I just adore it. I love it so much. Um, I think it's um, funny and moving and beautiful and clever. And I just I just think it's just time well spent. So I can't I can't endorse it enough. So. Great. So eleven hour long episodes. Yes, it's a it's a time yeah. it's a time suck. Time consuming. No, that's but good. Take that's good. Sometimes we it, need a bit of that. You know, like just. But it's worth it when you know that it's going to be worth it. If you know what I mean, yeah. and you're happy to uh, give over that time for something that's going to pay off in the end. So, uh, and we don't always know that with some of the stuff we watch. Well, we try here on the <laughs> to guide you. 
accordingly. Okay, that sounds awesome. Katie, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your obsession with succession <laughs> uh, with us and for talking to us about Bright, Brightside Revisited. Thanks to you too, Alex. Uh, and for everyone that listened this week, do look out for Friday morning's Screen Babble Weekend Watch featuring Alex this week, everyone. Mm. How exciting. Uh, so you can skip it. Exactly. You're going to have to check it out. Uh, pre- he'll be previewing what to watch over the weekend and beyond. If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives, drop us a line via our social media. You'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World. You can sign up for our wonderful weekly TV newsletter by going to nationalworld.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back next week with more Screen Babble. Thanks for listening Thanks. and watching. Bye.